0: Well, hey, we've been in a theme around here at Celebration, and um, been in a theme that a word from God over Celebration, over you, over, over our families, and it's this, you know it, corporately and individually, make no little plans here. How many of you know God has greater things for you and your family than you even realize? This is a Bible principle. The Bible says in Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him who is able, anybody glad that he's able? Who is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all you can think or imagine. So God has greater things for you and for your family. And so I just thought of an example that God has greater things for you. Make no little plans here. Don't judge your life by where you are right now. Joel Osteen, anybody ever heard of a Joel Osteen? He's got a small church in Dallas. Come on, somebody. Let's think about 40,000 people. But before Joel Osteen burst onto the scene, he, he was his dad's TV producer for about 15 years. So just behind the scenes, working behind a computer, behind a camera, and if you would have asked him at that time, maybe he would have felt like God had passed him over. Life's not, you know, going as quickly or as well as he thought that it would. But listen, don't judge yourself by where you are right now, because God has greater things for you. Make no little plans here. Okay, and the Bible says this. Uh, you know, in in, in that verse in, in Isaiah that Pastor Randy's been reading and we've been believing, it says, make, this is too small of a thing. It says, I will also make you. Do you know that God can make, do you know that God can make great things? He, he, he can do great things with your laces. I will also make you a light to the nations. I got news for you. I just, I just, I just got to spend about two minutes on this because Listen, this is too small of a thing, and I will also make you. Do you know God can make a king out of a shepherd? I guess what I'm trying to tell you is don't judge your life when you're in the shepherd stage. Just stay faithful because the Bible says if you're faithful over a few things, he will make you ruler over many things. Don't judge your, don't judge your life in the, in the shepherd stage. Let God take you into the king stage. Okay, he wants to make you great. There's great things that God has for you. So that being said, we're going to look now at 2 Kings chapter 7, and let's read verses 1 through 8. And it says, Then Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. This time, uh, tomorrow about this time, a measure of flour will be sold for a shekel and a measure, two measures of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. So an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows of heaven, could this thing happen? Really? Really? The famine's going to come to an end? And he said, in fact, the man of God said, In fact, you will see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Verse 3. Now there were four lepers at the city gate, The entrance of the city gate and they said to one another why are we sitting here until we die if we say we will stay enter the city the famine is there and we will die if we sit here we will die also now therefore let us surrender to the army of the Syrians and if they keep us alive then we will live and if they kill us then we will die and they arose somebody say rise They arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots, the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. Notice, the Lord had caused them. The Lord had caused them to hear the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel's hide these other kings and these other armies to attack us. Verse 7, therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact. Hear me, their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and fled for their lives. And when the lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank, sounds like my kind of party, come on somebody, I'm just kidding, and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them and came back and entered another tent and carried some away from there also and went and hid it. Breakthrough came to these four men because they chose to rise up and begin to take steps forward in the midst of difficult and trying situations. Now, before we get into today's narrative, I just wanna back up. Somebody say back up. I wanna back up and uh, just provide some context on the relationship between chapter six that we, that we covered last week and chapter seven, right? This place, you remember last week, this place is too small for us. We need to build God a better, a bigger, a greater place, right? This place is too small. So they stepped out and began to chop down trees and, and, and build God a greater place. And they, they, they were building God a house. They went down to the Jordan. They began to do their work. You, you know the story. We, we covered it last week. They lost their edge, could no longer build. I came to tell somebody... It's not that some of you don't want to build the house. It's that you needed to get your edge back so that you could build the house. Okay? And so so they got their edge back. They continued to build God a house. They continued to prepare for tomorrow. Hello, legacy. Come on, somebody. I'm going somewhere. I just need to lay this foundation. All right? So they began to do this. They got their edge back, continued to build God a house. But in between building God a house, preparing for a better tomorrow in chapter six and a significant breakthrough that we just read about in chapter seven, hear me, a famine comes into the land. Isn't that just like the enemy of your life, of my life, that when you start believing God to do greater things in your life, in this ministry and celebration, that some kind of opposition shows up to discourage you, to get you to back off of the greater things that you're believing God for. When you begin to step out in faith and begin to step out to believe God to do greater things, the enemy doesn't just step back and say, well, there they go. He's going to try to oppose you so that he can get you to back off. Am I talking to anybody who ever stepped out in faith? And if you're not careful, opposition can try to get you to back up off of believing for greater things. This is why Isaiah 54:2 says, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out your curtains lengthen does that sound like how many of you know that sounds like enlargement that sounds like believing God for greater things that sounds like God has more for you and for your family does anybody believe that God has more for you and for your family enlarge the place of your tent stretch out lengthen your cords and here's what it says strengthen your stakes why did it say strengthen your stakes Because if you enlarge and stretch out your curtains and begin to believe God and sow into legacy and serve and go all in, we're believing God for our future, for our family's future. We're believing people are going to come into celebration and get saved. We're believing they're going to get set free. We're believing they're going to get to live. Does anybody believe that God still has the greatest outpouring that we've ever seen? It's coming in our days to come. We're believing... But if you're not careful, you'll enlarge, you'll start giving, you'll start serving, you'll lengthen, you'll stretch. And if you don't strengthen your cords, when the pressure comes and the opposition comes, what you'll do is you'll pick up those cords and you'll bring them back in to a measured, manageable, smaller place. The enemy wants to make you smaller because then you really don't have a testimony to those that are in the world. But when, listen, when you strengthen your stakes and believe God for greater things, then all of a sudden the people around you go, look, they have peace in the midst of a trial. Look, God's providing for them even when crazy stuff's going on in the economy. Why? Because your belief, is anyone going to help me in here this morning? So a famine comes on the land. And this is, this is huge. It was a pretty severe famine. Prices skyrocketed for food, for everything, for everything. And, and uh, you know, the economy just, I mean, everything was so expensive that people didn't have food. There was no rain. There, they couldn't grow crops. And so this is the position that they found themselves in. Food prices, again, skyrocketed, astronomical. How many of you know it kind of sounds familiar to today? my god we stopped on the way here to get my son a hash brown and it was three dollars and 12 cents and i heard the voice of my dad when i was a kid a hash brown was 14 cents come on somebody else (laughs) okay so this sounds familiar even to us this is happening to some degree even in our economy today but the famine in that day was so severe that a donkey's head and dove's dung was selling for crazy high prices. Why? It's amazing what you'll pay for when you get desperate enough. I'm going somewhere. Just stick with me. It's laying some foundation. Things that normally disgust you. I mean, does dove's dung sound appetizing? I've never said, let's go eat donkey's head. Some of you are like, well, I eat birria. You know what I mean? I don't know. Just <laughs> Yeah, but donkey's head. I've never said, let's go have that for lunch. I've never said, you know what sounds good right now? Doves do But it is amazing. Come on, stick with me. It is amazing that things that normally disgust you become desirable when you're in a famine. mm-hmm. Listen, things that normally disgust you become desirable when you're in a famine, personally or spiritually, even financially. Dishonoring your spouse normally disgusts you. But when you get into a famine, it's amazing how quickly we can get frustrated with the ones that we love the most. How about this? How about settling for average or settling for less than God's best? Normally that would disgust you. But when you get into a famine, if you're not careful, just surviving begins to, begins to be alluring to you because the pressure comes. Okay, in a famine, things change, right? And so it was so, oh my God, hear this church. It was, this famine was so bad that two mothers of small children made a covenant that today will boil and eat my son and tomorrow will boil and eat your son. So here's what we have. We have the current generation, the appetites of the current generation, destroying the next generation. Who in here is going to help me? Because in famine, it's amazing what kind of appetites show up compromise was not is not attractive to you but when you get into a famine all of a sudden compromise can begin to call you and if we're not careful we're living in a wicked generation and their appetite to feed our next generation anti-bible ideologies They don't mind devouring the next generation because they want validation for their own poison and infection that they have in themselves. But I'm grateful that in this church, we're going to let the Bible be the Bible and say there is two sexes. There is male and there is female and you are made in the image of Almighty God. The appetite, listen, we're not gonna let the appetites of a current generation devour the next generation. That's why God's raising up places like celebration, where the hearts of fathers are turned to the hearts of sons. And we can say, baby, we don't have all the answers, but I know somebody that does. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Is anybody grateful that when you don't have all the answers, we can show them somebody that does? In a famine, the next generation gets destroyed because of the current generation appetites. The reason why God's blessing is upon this church and upon this movement is because we've said, God, show us how to show the next generation how to love you, how to follow you, how to obey you, and how to believe you. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I believe God's raising up the next generation of anointed young men and women. Hallelujah. Hallelujah that are going to rise and call you blessed and serve and honor the Lord all the days of their life. Okay? So, doves, dung, and donkey's head. You've got to go home and think about that. (laughs) Doves, dung, and donkey's head in the midst of this crazy famine. You know what these are? Doves, dung, and donkey's head are two indicators of why famine shows up. They're two indicators of why famine shows up into a land and into a nation. Because doves dung, when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan, the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove. So the dove here is representative of the Holy Spirit. And it had, there was doves dung. So doves dung is evidence that the Holy Spirit used to feel welcome there. Dove's dung in the midst of a famine was evidence that the Holy Spirit used to be welcome there. I don't know about you, but anytime I've gone through a famine in my spiritual walk, it's because somewhere along the line, I I went ahead and just kind of closed the Holy Spirit out. Didn't mean to, but through my behavior and through what I was distracted with, He wasn't as welcome in my life to show me, lead me, and guide me. But if all you have is dove's dung, it's evidence that He once was there, but possibly no longer feels welcome. And donkey's head, the Bible says when in Balaam's life that when God was speaking to Balaam, the donkey opened up his mouth and the word of God came through the donkey and spoke to Balaam. So you could say the donkey's head is representative of a living word of God. So if all you have left is dove's dung and donkey's head, the part that used to speak the word of God to you The word of God used to be alive and now it's just the donkey's head is lying there. Here's what I'm trying to say. These are two indicators of why famine shows up. It's evidence that the dove and the donkey were once alive in well in that area in our lives. But if all you have left is dove's dung and donkey's head, famine eventually shows up. So this is where... These people find themselves. Can you imagine? I can't imagine it getting so bad that a parent would think about devouring their own child. It shows you that famine can do crazy things to you. Oh, wow why was this e how could this evil thing i can't even comprehend it because most parents are like me you go i would die in a heartbeat come on somebody i would die in a heartbeat if it meant my child could live and yet how many of y'all like me you've been reading through the old testament you go my god how many times are these fools gonna disobey god and then the holy spirit shows me the last 30 days of my life and i say, lord forgive me i'm sorry Forgive me. Give him grace. Thank you for grace. Hallelujah. I'm glad I live under the New Testament. Hallelujah. You're crossing myself. I don't even know. Just thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, y'all. Don't act like that. You've been reading through the old. T- Some of you are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Start reading your Bible. You don't need to have a dead donkey's head. You need to have a living word. Why? How could they get to that place? How could this... The, these two mothers get to that place because famine will take stuff out of you. Famine will take famine will take reason, reasoning faculties, it'll take sobriety out of your legs. Is anyone going to talk to me? And it'll take the decision-making processes that you normally employ. Sometimes famine can take those things out of you. Why? Why church? Because in famine, crazy starts being accepted as normal. Am I alone in thinking that what we're seeing on TV and social media, what they're trying to do in our schools and education, educational system, am I the only one that goes, that is crazy? but they want us to accept crazy as normal. It's evidence to me that the nation is in a famine, but thank God, if the nation's in a famine, God's about to raise up the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, does anybody believe that revival can hit our churches and hit our nation? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me talk a little bit about it. Is this okay so far? Just on assignment, just in a little bit different vein today. Listen, man. If you're taking notes, write this down. Famine is when things that are normally easy become difficult. famine. Normally, the rain comes down, the crops are created, jobs are created, commerce is created, the economy is healthy, there's buying and selling, there's trading, there's believing God for greater things. let's, Let's move our family forward. Let's buy, let's believe for the bigger house. Let's believe that we can sow this seed. Let's move forward. And sometimes when a famine comes, things that were normally easy are made to become difficult. Famine, hear me, famine is when You can't seem to make enough money to pay all the bills. Famine is when there's more month than money. Mm. I heard someone say, my God, that's my song. Hallelujah. No, no. No, your song is that you're blessed coming in. And you're blessed going out. You're the head and not the tail. Come on, Kenny. Moving to Fresno with nothing in his pocket. But he had a God that says, I am the God that will supply all your needs according. Is there anybody in here that can testify that God is our source and our provider? Yeah. Famine is when, if you, just, if you just want to make it simple, famine is when there's not enough. What do you mean, Jason? Famine's when there's not enough kindness in a marriage. Huh. Famine is when you expect the other person to fulfill you. Y'all y'all gonna talk to me now? Y'all ever heard one of these idiots say, I feel good when I'm around you? And they ain't got no job, and they're sleeping on your couch. Showing you their six-pack because they ain't got nothing to do all day except sit-ups. I like how I feel when I'm around you. That's because they're looking to you to fulfill them and to be their sugar mama. I'm just going to help. I'm just going to help somebody. You know what some of you ladies need to do? You need to go buy you some sugar daddies, those candies of sugar daddy, and just hand them over to him and say, when you, become a, when you become a believer and a tither, then you can be my sugar daddy until then. I said, until then, don't let the good Lord, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord splits you. I don't know who I'm talking to with it? Look at I made some of the guys with I made some of the guys with a six pack man. Who he talking to? Who he talking to? <laughs> this is fun right here. Okay? When there's not enough kindness in a marriage, when there's not enough love and selflessness in a marriage, I have the privilege of marrying by the way, my beautiful wife, Liz, is here. Come on, can you give it up for my wife? And my baby boy, Braylon's here too. And, and uh, oh my God, I'm telling you. He, he scored a touchdown in his last game. And he was talking about one of, his, one of his friends. And he said, oh, Daddy, oh yeah, you know, he did good. He caught the ball and ran like, you know, 10, 15 yards. I was like, yeah, he did, man, he did, he did a good job. He's like, Dad, but I scored a 75-yard touchdown. I said, yeah, you did, yeah, you did. I say, you're like your daddy. You're like your, no, I'm just, I'm just. <laughs> and my wife and I were laughing because we were telling him, hey, son, you need to be the one that encourages your friends, right? You need to be the one that lifts them up. And he says, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, he did pretty good. He caught a 50, but I, I got a 75. Yeah, so so he's still, he's still learning on that. But I, I have the privilege of marrying my wife and, and she, man, I'm just telling you, there was such a selflessness and a love in her that, that I, you know, I didn't notice for, for years, because she was just so selfless, so willing to do it, willing to give. She woke up thinking about how to love God and love me. And if we're not careful as men, we wake up thinking, how do I love God? And how do I succeed? And over years, and don't, don't get me wrong, I would try to get put, you know, put, we're talking about a famine, and if you don't put in somebody else's tank, eventually their tank begins to run out. Some of you married couples, you don't really hate each other. You just need to start putting into each other's tank again. So, so again, a famine is when there's not enough and not enough passion to fulfill your calling. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Not enough. Famine is when there's not enough. Not enough opportunity for promotion in your career. Famine is when you're internally tired as a parent. Famine is when you open your Bible and you say, my God, do we have to do this again? Y'all ain't talking to me. Famine is when you're bored in prayer. Famine is when you stop praying because you were bored in prayer for a while. Come on, is anyone going to talk to me? So, so this, is, this is famine. and Is it really worth it? Is it really worth it? tithing? Is it really worth giving to legacy? Is it really worth selling out and doing what God wants me to do? Because this and that, if you're not careful, you find yourself in a famine. Famine is when you don't seem to have enough in you to cover all your responsibilities. Famine is when you start finding escapes. And if we're honest, I think we've all been in, in seasons and times where it just doesn't seem like the rain is falling and just seems like I'm in a famine, financial famine. There's just not enough. Woo, write this down. Famine is when you stop planning for tomorrow because of the difficulty of today. The enemy wants to erase the dream of tomorrow with the difficulty of today but I came to call the devil a liar I said I came to call the devil a liar and saying that the difficulty of the day they won't last always storms come but they also leave God has a God has an answer and a solution for where you are today if you believe that somebody say yes so you may find yourself in some kind of a famine In Amos there was a famine of hearing the words of the Lord maybe it's been a while since you heard the whisper of the Holy Spirit I'm gonna be real can I be real my god I gotta go there were times in my life when I had gotten to a place where I was not pursuing God the way that I should and I remember one day I sat down to read the Bible and I started reading a familiar chapter, and all I felt my spirit begin to move. And I, I started reading, and tears began to come to my eyes because it had been too long. And inside, I could tell my spirit was like grasping, it was grasping for the word. And when I started to quit, I heard my spirit say, Don't quit, don't quit. Because it was starving for the bread of life. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay, I don't have time to, I don't have time. I, I just don't have time, but, but how many of you know you wouldn't starve your, your body for a week? How many of you know after a week of not eating, you're gonna be famished. Let's not do that to our spirit. Let's put the word of God into our spirit and watch what begins to happen in our lives. Okay, okay, here we go. Someone say, here we go. Okay, now the famine came After they started building something greater for God. Hello, Legacy Project. We're going to give and then we're going to see amazing things. And some of you have seen miracles and others may feel like all of a sudden opposition has hit. And it's just boom, boom, boom. And it doesn't seem to be turning the situation around yet. Somebody say yet. Okay. The famine came after they started building something greater for God. It wasn't all smooth sailing. They didn't see immediate breakthrough. Time passed. They faced significant challenges and then something began to shift. Now, church, here it is. I'm telling you, the next five minutes are so vital to where we are going as as a church celebration, as a movement, and I believe it is a prophetic word for you, for this house, and what God is getting ready to do. If you're ready for it, somebody say yes. I was studying chapter six that we covered last week, okay? You know it, chapter six, right, that, that, and I, chapter six where they're building God a greater place, they're cutting down the poles, and they're building God a greater house, they're preparing for a greater tomorrow. I'm studying chapter six, and while I'm there, God begins to speak to me and says, look at the next chapter. What happened when God's people began to prepare for a better tomorrow in the midst of trying times? What happened when God's people began to build God a house, a bigger, better place? What happened in the very next chapter? And I looked at the next chapter, had never seen that these two chapters were connected, and it hit me like a ton of bricks. God revealed it to me. He said, what happened after they began to build me a better place? What happened when they begin to prepare for a better tomorrow in the very next chapter? What happened is the famine came to an end. The famine came to an end put 2nd Kings chapter 7 verse 1 up there in the message translation. Elisha said listen, somebody say "Listen." listen God's word the famine is over I don't know what kind of famine you've been facing if it is a financial famine it is if it is a spiritual famine if it's a bit of a famine in your marriage if it's an emotional famine, if it's a physical famine but i came with a word from heaven to you over this church over celebration salinas listen to god's word the famine is over. Is there anybody in celebration that believes that the hard times are about to be over? That there's about to be increase in the house of God? Listen, that the struggle is over. That there's an end to one chapter and the beginning of a brand new chapter. Does anybody in here believe that God can do it and that the famine... (laughs) The famine is over. About this time tomorrow. Come on, Pastor Randy's been preaching. God has th- something for our yesterdays, healing for our yesterdays. He has faith for our todays, and he has miracles in our tomorrow. That about this time tomorrow, food will be plenteous because the, the, the famine is over. Now, let me just say this in closing. A word, whoo, write this down. A word from God changes seasons. A word from God, heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word remains forever. He says, I uh, listen, he said, He says, He sent his word, healed us, delivered us of our destructions, and then the Bible says that he watches out over his word to perform it. So he said, Listen, a word from God can change. A season let me give you let me give you an example about this time next year you'll hold a son in your arms a word from God changed a season let me give you another one I hear the sound of the abundance of rain there was a drought for years but God gave a man of God a word and said I hear the sound of the abundance of rain and a word from God changed the season Let me give you one more to make you even a little bit more happy. The prophet, the man of God said, in the midst of of devastating financial times, make me a cake first. Because God wants to know that he's first in your life. Your $12 can't meet your need, but your God can, so give it to him first. By the way, someone say, by the way. Anybody believe in that God's turning situations on a dime in here? Anybody? Here's what God said to me. He says, tell there's some of them that need to start being faithful with a dime and then I can turn it on a dime. Okay. So a word from God changes seasons and a word from God to this house is the famine is over. Write this down. Write this down. The enemy has tried to remind you of his involvement in your yesterdays so you won't believe for God's involvement in your todays. But The famine is over. Let me say this in closing. What has been hard and heavy in this next season where the famine is over is going to be made light and easy. Let me prove it to you. Matthew, Chapter 11, verses uh, 28 through 30. I believe they have it. I have it. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle, meek, and humble, lowly in heart, and you will find rest, relief. Is anybody ready for some relief? And ease and refreshment, bless quiet for your soul. For my yoke is, my burden is light and my yoke is easy. There is a new season where the famine is over. Now, I got to close with this. I got to close with this. There was a man who was serving the king upon whom, upon whom, whose hand the king leaned. In other words, he was the king's right hand man. And when the man of God released this word, this this man said, really? Have you seen our yesterdays? Come on, anyone going to talk to me? Have you seen our yesterdays? We're in a famine. We've been in a famine. Have you seen our... And really, you want us to believe with no food in sight... Oh, y'all ain't talking to me. With no money coming in, with no economy going, you want us to... This is going to take years to rebuild. Y'all ain't... You want us to believe that about this time tomorrow, the famine is going to be over? Listen, listen. This is the only man that saw it but did not experience it. Because doubt will keep you out. Okay, let me say this. Cynicism, write this down if you're taking notes. Cynicism from this man, birthed out of yesterday's disappointments, kept him from experiencing the famine coming to an end in his life. Let me say that again. Cynicism, birthed out of yesterday's disappointments. Really? We've heard God was going to do this. We've heard God was going to do that. We've heard it was going to get better, better than ever. Come on, somebody. But the Bible says that the word did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith. A prophetic word is an opportunity. Y'all ain't talking to me. A prophetic word is an opportunity. It's an open door for you to go with my faith. I'm gonna believe and mix faith with that word. As for me and my house, the famine is over. We're about to see God step in. I I, yeah, get the team back up here. Thank you, Tom. Listen. Woo, Jesus. Okay, okay. When the famine came to an end. Now, this is, this is huge right here. Don't miss this because this is a picture of your life, my life, celebration in the days to come. Because when the famine came to an end, what else happened? Listen. When the famine came to an end, notice what else happened for God's people. Number one territory and land changed hands. Come on, I just need three minutes. Who's going to believe with me in here? The famine, I don't know if there's any faith in the room, but I believe celebration. We're about to see territory and land I came to prophesy. Some of you that have been believing for a house, the house is gonna come into your hands. The land and territory for the business is gonna come into your hands. Come on if you believe it, somebody shout it
1: Come on I feel like I'm on assignment. Just give me like two
0: more minutes. I'm just gonna ask ten more times. No come on just okay listen man let me say this. Territory and land that had been occupied by those who oppose God was handed over to those who honor God I gotta say this the enemy's camp had all the wealth they went around plundering my god this is revelation Just like a lot of the corporations go out and buy out mom-and-pop shops. Come on, somebody. Is anyone going to help me? All the big corporations go around and buy land and buy real estate and buy houses and buy all these things because they are trying to monopolize. Is anybody going to help me in here? Trying to monopolize and take it away from God's people. They don't want it in God's people's hands. They want it in wicked people's hands. But the Bible says the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the just. Come on, come on. This is prophetic, man. Listen. The enemy had been going around plundering all of these different cities and taking the silver and taking the gold and taking the food. But when four men chose to rise up and start taking steps in faith. Hear me, hear me, hear me. When they stepped out, God stepped in. Am I talking to anybody in celebration where you have seen God step into your situation, step into your finances? Okay? So this, this, this enemy, they had been plundering all of these different cities, taking the wealth, taking all the land and the territory, had a huge camp. God's people were in a little city where there was a famine. But when these guys started taking steps in faith, the Bible says God stepped in the enemy left hear me hear me all of the best territory y'all ain't talking all of the best territory and land that they had accumulated they left and God's people got to walk in and drink from wells they didn't dig and live in houses they didn't build. I don't know who I'm talking to in here This is prophetic. Here's what the Lord told me. He said, the enemy lost containment. The enemy lost containment. Last thing right here. You saw it. You heard it. But silver, gold, and assets. Here's what God said to me. He says, when the famine came to an end, wealth, riches, and assets changed hands. I think I got it all in today. I think I got it all in. Okay. Just for a moment, if you'll bow your heads and you'll close your eyes. You're here this morning and you don't know. You don't know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. Or you say, you know what, Pastor, I've known him, but I'm far from him. I need to come back to him. I need to get some things right between me and the Lord. The Bible says his arms are open wide. and All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if that's you, under the sound of my voice, just on the count of three, I just want you to lift your hand. One, two, three. Lift them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hands up everywhere. Hands up everywhere. Thank you, Lord. Come on, everybody in this place. Let's pray this prayer together. Say this. Say, Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. I believe you died on the cross for my salvation, and you rose again on the third day to give me life and life more abundantly. Jesus Christ, you are the Lord of my life. Now use me for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's rejoice over every decision that was just made. Woo! Now, with every, every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I feel like I've, I've been, in, been in famine in some area of my life, and I'm ready to come out. I'm ready to believe the Word. I'm ready to believe what God is saying. That's you. And I I just want to pray for you. Just lift your hand. Lift it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we believe the word that you are declaring in this house over this people. And right now, we declare that there is rain, the rain of the Holy Spirit is going to begin to fall on every hand that is raised. And we declare over their lives that financial famine is over. Come on, church, help me pray we declare father that spiritual famine is over we declare God that marital famine is over we declare emotional and mental famine is over we declare the rain of the Holy Spirit is going to begin to fall God I I declare tears in prayer times hallelujah I declare when they're opening your word it's alive to them it jumps off the pages to them it births fire on the inside of their heart God we declare the famine is over that they will seek you with all their heart that they will fulfill the plan and the purpose and the destiny of God upon their life. God, we declare that it is better than ever. We declare that it's too small of a thing and that you are doing greater things in every person's life in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, if you believe it, somebody give Jesus some praise right here. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to salvationchurchcc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.